0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha Okay, so let's jump in. Torah portion this week is VaYetze, and uh, we've had a lot of discussion, mano oh, manischevitz. We've had a lot of of intrigue and uh, and just terrific stories. So, just to recap, the first few days of the Torah portion study, we spoke about. Jacob, Jacob's departure from his home, from his homeland, from the Holy Land, from the Promised Land, going to Haran. He stops to lie down. He has a dream. He sees angels going up and down a ladder. He, God appears to him and blesses him and he makes a deal with God, asking for protection. He goes on his way. He arrives at a well in Haran or near Haran. He sees the shepherds and he sees this young girl and that's Rachel, Rachel, the daughter of his uncle, in other words, his cousin. And he falls in love with her and ultimately he works for her to earn her hand in marriage. He works for her dad, his uncle, seven years. At the wedding, the old switcheroo happens instead of Rachel, it's Leia and he's with Leia and he only realizes in the morning he's with Leia. Anyway, long story short, he goes to his father-in-law, says, you tricked me. Alright, we, we don't give the younger the younger daughter before the older daughter. So um, you can also marry her, you have to work for another seven years, and that is the deal. Now, he doesn't wait seven years to marry Rachel. He marries her after seven days, but then has to pay it off with seven years of additional work. We also read about the birth, the beginnings of the birth of the 12 tribes. Leah gets pregnant. Rachel does not get pregnant. Rachel Rachel gives Jacob her handmaid. Bilha gets pregnant, has a few kids. Then Leah gives her handmaid Zilpah. She has a few kids with with Jacob, so it's four, two, and two. And then the story with the with the uh, with the mandrakes with the gets the mandrakes and gives it to, gives it to his mother Leah. And then Rachel Rachel wants it, so there's a deal. If you take them, if I give you the mandrakes, um, I'll, I'll, I, if you give me the mandrakes, says Rachel Rachel, I'll give you Jacob for tonight. And indeed, that's what happens. Leah gets pregnant and has another two sons, and a third another, and and then another child which is a girl and that is Dina. Okay, so that's kind of where we ended off. Oh, I'm sorry. Then, how did I forget the dramatic conclusion of yesterday's reading? The dramatic conclusion was that Rachel finally gets pregnant and gives birth to a son and the son's name is Yosef or Joseph. And at that point, very Importantly, at that point, Jacob turns to his father-in-law, Laban, Lavan, and he says to him, "Time for me to go. It's time to go. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to head back." Now, why is this? So, what I want to do is share my screen with you. I'm going to toggle Rashi. This is from yesterday. So, take a look. So what triggers Jacob's desire to leave suddenly when Joseph is born? This is verse 25 from yesterday's, the reading that we read yesterday. Take a look. When the adversary of Esau was born, as it is said in Obadiah, and the house of Jacob shall be fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau shall shall become stubble. Fire without a flame does not burn anything a distance away. As soon as Joseph was born... Look at this. As soon as Joseph was born, Jacob trusted in the Holy One, blessed be he, and desired to return to Canaan. In other words, when Joseph is born, Jacob, the father, feels like he's ready to take on his brother. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Until Joseph is born, Jacob is still apprehensive. Remember, he left years earlier because his brother wanted to kill him after he took the blessings. So his brother, he knows his brother has his head, you know, has his picture on wanted posters around, uh, around, around the house, around the, around the neighborhood. So he's afraid to go. When Joseph is born, ready to go. Why Joseph? So again, you could say because he was his beloved Rachel's son. Okay. But Joseph represents the, the spiritual energy of being able to deal with the Labans of the world. Let me explain. What do we know about Joseph? as he matures and gets older. Right? What happen- What's the Joseph story? right? His brothers kidnap him. They sell him as a slave. He ends up in Egypt. He ends up doing well in Egypt as a slave. Then he ends up being framed for a crime he didn't commit, thrown in prison, does well in prison, relatively speaking, eventually gets out of prison, becomes second in command to Pharaoh. Here's a guy, Joseph, who knew how to deal He knew how to play. He knew how to engage with the Egyptians and the Potiphars and the Pharaohs. He was able to handle all of these people. The the room wasn't never too big for him. It was never too small for him either. Right? He was always able to adapt and to and to work. When Joseph is born, Jacob senses the right energy. I have the right spiritual power. We have the right composition. To head back home and take on Esau. So that, that, that's why he goes to Laban, his father-in-law, and says, time for me to go. I hope this makes sense. In other words, Jacob, sorry, Joseph represents the Jew, if you will, who's able to walk in the halls of, with kings and prime ministers and presidents, able to, to roam the halls of the UN and not get intimidated, to roam the halls of the White House, not get intimidated, To be able to be an influencer and never be influenced, that was Joseph. We call him Yosef HaTzadik, Joseph the Righteous One. By no one else in in the Torah do we call them HaTzadik, the Righteous One. Even though they were all Tzadikim, not all, but even though the patriarchs, right, matriarchs, they were all Tzadikim, Righteous People. We don't, none of them are called Tzadikim. None of them are called HaTzadik, That's Tzadik, except for Yosef, Joseph. We don't call Avram, Abraham, Avram HaTzadik. We don't say Avram Avinu, Avram Abraham, our, our, our forefather. Yitzchak, again, we don't use that, that term, Hatzadik. We don't even say that about Moses. Moses, Moshe Hatzadik. We say Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses our teacher. It's only with Yosef, with Joseph, that we use the, the adjective Hatzadik, the righteous one. Why? And indeed, he lived the, the most tumultuous life of all men them, Hatzadik. A tzaddik means no matter what context you're in, no matter what situation you're put in, you can withstand the challenge. The room, the context is never bigger than you. You're always able to handle it and able to, to, uh, to take it on. So, this is the significance of Yosef's birth triggering Joseph, sorry, Jacob, his father's desire to head back home. He's now confident he can take on Esau and not have a problem. Okay. Can
1: you put that in Hebrew in the chat, please?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, give me a second. It's a great idea. Let's put that and in he's right here. your
1: favorite. I mean, he is, right? You've told us that before.
0: hundred percent. Yosef had sadik. Oh,
1: okay. Yosef gotcha. was the only one called At tzaddik.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's not like the Torah calls, you know, uses these phrases, but I'm saying in like, in... In the way we talk about the biblical characters, we don't put "hatzadik" after any of the biblical figures. Adam hatzadik, nope. Noah hatzadik, no. Nope. Avram, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, uh, Moshe, Aaron, none, no one. The only one that we call hatzadik is Yosef. Yosef hatzadik. That's what he's known. Where's the origin of that? You're not going to find it in a verse. It's just the way the way he's known, like Moshe Rabenu, right? It's uh, Moshe's our teacher. He's our He's our rabbi. He's, he's He taught us Torah. So he's Moshe Rabbeinu. Avram Avinu. Avram Abraham, our, our father, our patriarch. But Yosef is Yosef And it's interesting. The righteous one, you
1: said. Yeah, Atzadik. the righteous
0: one. Yeah, tzaddik, yeah, tzaddik, the right. the Tzadik. Because he,
1: because he was more like an ambassador. Too, he was right? an ambassador. Because the others were more... Concerned.
0: He was a righteous person even while roaming the halls of uh... Of, of Pharaoh, even while, you know, dealing with the economy of, uh, and the food supply of Egypt. He was at tzaddik even when in a dungeon, even when in a pit, even when working as a slave to Potiphar the butcher in Egypt. He, he was at tzaddik. At tzaddik means you rise above okay, the challenge.
1: That's our goal for everybody, to put the spiritual in the secular or the mundane. Exactly. Yeah.
0: That's the goal. He's the persona. He is, of, again, of all the biblical figures, I mean, they were all like larger than life. Yosef represents a symbolic of the, of the relatable. The rela- again, he's a tzaddik, right? So not relatable like, yeah, he, you know, he has his challenges like you and I, but he's a guy that, that, that dealt with a lot of stuff and always, always comes out where, where he needs to be. And that's why Yaakov, again, just the, in the context here, Yaakov knows, his father Jacob, knows that when he's born, when Joseph, Yosef is, is born, he, he's able to head back. Okay, so now it's not, but it's not going to be so easy. Because he asked his father-in-law for permission. He asked him for some consent. You know, is it okay if I leave? Well, as you'll see, the answer is not exactly. Because as, I, as we started saying yesterday, um Jacob, Yaakov, brought with him a lot of blessing. A lot of blessing to the loved one's household. Which is how we ended yesterday's reading. Where Laban says to Jacob, If only I have now found favor in your eyes, like do me a favor, because I have divined, and the Lord has blessed me for your sake. I've divined, meaning, you know, I've I've checked it out, and according to my uh, calculations, the reason why I'm so successful is because of you which is going to lead to the next part of the conversation, which is let's negotiate you staying here for a, little more, for a little longer. So here we go. This is how we start Genesis chapter 30, verse 28. So then he said, this is just to clarify, then Laban said to Jacob, specify your wages for me and I will give them. In other words, whatever you want as payment, Name, name your price, name your wage, and I'll give it to you. It's like the price line of contract negotiations, right? Name your own price, name your own wage. Tell me what you want, and I'll give it to you. That's how desperate. Talk about um, leverage in negotiation. Yaakov here had all the leverage. Jacob had all the leverage. Yeah, he wants to leave. His father-in-law wants him to stay. All All right, so if you want him to stay... What are you going to give him? So he says, whatever you want. Tell me, tell me what you want and I'll, give it, and I'll give it to you. And he said to him, this is now Jacob back to his father-in-law. You know how I have worked for you and how your livestock was with me. So you know my dedication. And you know how I have taken care of your livestock. For the little that you have, that you had before me has increased in multitude. You gave me a few animals and, you know, look. what's the goal of a shepherd this is coming from someone without any experience in shepherding or any real research in shepherding but if i had to guess what's the goal in in shepherding the goal is make sure the animals don't get attacked by wild animals and that your animals your flock doesn't die of hunger or thirst make sure they're healthy and strong etc okay so in other words if you go out with 50 animals 100 animals come back with the same amount of animals that's the goal well jacob not only brought back the animals that he took out every day, he, he, the, the animals increased. They were, they were growing uh, leaps and bounds. So again, the little that you had before me that you've given me has increased in multitude. And the Lord, says Jacob, the Lord blessed you upon my arrival. But now when will I too provide something for my household? So he kind of frames it like this. All these years, and, 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 and you have to remember, he worked for 14 years at least. Yeah, probably about 14 years, seven years to marry Leah and seven years to marry Rachel. Okay, so 14 years he worked. And what he's saying is I worked hard and I worked uh, honestly and honorably. And, and thank God I've made, I've made you very wealthy. You've become wealthy due to my work. But now when will I provide something for my household? How, when am I going to start amassing my own Wealth, my own possessions. So Laban said, okay, I hear you. So what should I give you? And Jacob said, here we go. Here's Jacob's strategy. He says, you shall give me nothing. Don't give me anything. But if you do this thing for me, I will return. I will pasture your flocks and I will watch them. In other words, you don't, I'm not expecting you to give me anything. I just want the opportunity to do something. Does that make sense? In other words, I don't want a handout from you. I want the opportunity, the space, to be successful. Okay, so that's what he saying. Don't give me anything. You should give me nothing. But if you do this thing for me, if you agree to this, then I will return and pasture your flocks. So um, I'm in if you do this. What, what's this? What's the deal? Here we go. Jacob continues. I will pass throughout all your flocks today, removing from there every speckled and spotted kid and every brown lamb among the sheep, and every spotted and speckled one from among the goats, and this shall be my wages. In other words, in other words, what Jacob is saying is, get rid of all of the animals that are not perfectly white. Get rid of all the speckled and the spotted and the brown and spotted and speckled again. Whether they're kid goats or lambs or adult goats, whatever it is. Anything that has any colorization in it, if you will, take out from the flock. Let's continue. We're not done yet. And my righteousness will testify for me at a future date. For it will come upon my wages before you. In other words, that way you'll know. And we haven't yet set up what's going to happen here. But he says, if we do what I'm suggesting, that way we'll know without a doubt that everything that I've earned is on my own and it's not from your stuff. So he says like this. Whatever is not spotted, sorry, it was not speckled or spotted among the goats or brown among the sheep shall be counted as stolen with me. In other words, any animals that are not speckled or spotted or brown or whatever it is, that's not mine. I feel like it's not clear what's going on here. So let me break it down. Jacob essentially says, look, start me off with no speckled, spotted, or brown animals. Okay, clear all those out. Any animals that will be born henceforth, speckled or spotted or brown or whatever it is, any of those types of animals will be considered mine. Because you're leaving me, Laban. you're leaving me with only like white animals. Okay, so all those animals are yours. You took out the speckled and spotted ones already. All the white animals are yours, but any new animals born that have the speckles or the spots or whatever it is, those animals, the new ones, will be mine. Okay? And again, if you see me holding on to any non-speckled or spotted animals, you know that's, a th- that's my theft. Okay? And Laban said very well. If only it would be as you would say. In other words, great. What a deal. I mean, this guy, like he thinks the guy's crazy. He was willing to pay any price to keep his son-in-law as a shepherd. Meanwhile, his son-in-law says this weird, bizarre thing. He doesn't want anything. He just wants to start off with some animals that don't belong to him. And any animals that will be born with spe- spots or speckles or whatever it is, that will be his. Bizarre. It's like, a, it's like a, he doesn't, Laban doesn't lose anything. Are you with me on this? Laban's not losing any animals. Let's continue. So Laban removed on that day, verse 35, the ring, and the spotted male goats and all the speckled and spotted female goats... Whichever had white on it and all the brown from among the sheep. And he gave them into the hands of his sons. So essentially, essentially, Laban removes all of the spotted and speckled and ringed and brown goats and sheep. All the animals with all those colors on it. He removed. And he gave them to his sons, who I guess were also shepherds elsewhere. He gave them to his sons. And he set three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob tended Laban's remaining animals. These are the ones that did not have the specks or the spots or whatever it is. Whether they were totally white or totally black, I don't know. I don't know. I was assuming white, but maybe they were all black. I don't know. Either way, they're not the spotted and the speckled and the ringed and the brown goats or sheep. These are the ones that are not that. That's what Jacob is left with. So Jacob has this collection of animals. He's a three day journey from all of the other animals that do have the spots and the speckles and the the rings and all that stuff. He's got his own situation. And again, all these animals right now don't belong to him. These are starter animals, right? Any animals henceforth that will be born with the spots and the speckles, those will belong to him personally. But all these animals right now that he has, those belong to his father-in-law. So again, his father-in-law is not investing. He's investing, but he's not giving anything. He's not paying him a wage. He's not promising him a salary. He's not even promising him commission. Maybe it is commission. I don't know what you would call it. Any animals henceforth born with the spots and the rings and the speckles and the brown sheep, those will be Jacob's. Well, here's what happens next. Verse 37. And Jacob took himself, or for himself, moist rods of trembling poplar and hazelnut and chestnut. Okay, so he took these sticks, various wood sticks, and he peeled white streaks upon them, bearing the white that was on the rods. So picture a stick, yeah, a brown stick, and imagine peeling like in a circle. Imagine peeling. So that you create white streaks white streaks like a spiral of white streaks. so you have the original dark color of the of the raw of these sticks and you have kind of like this uh, the spiral peel of white white streaks. okay you with me so far? yeah he's creating the imagery of spotted and speckled and ringed he's creating that imagery on a stick okay then what does he do? verse 38. And he thrust the rods that he had peeled into the gutters in the watering troughs where the animals would come to drink opposite the other animals. And they would come into heat when they came to drink. Okay, so now, you know, there's not only drinking from the trough, but also some other, other things are happening over there. And what are the animals looking at? Yeah, they're looking at these ringed rods okay and the flocks came into heat by the rods verse 39 and the animals bore okay we're kind of um, fast forwarding through the through the details here but the animals eventually bore they gave birth to ringed spotted and striped young so how does jacob again just to recap this how does um, jacob facilitate this he takes the rods peels them peels so it's alternating white and brown or white and gray or white and black, whatever it is, right it's It's alternating colors. He puts these rods into the water near the watering troughs. The animals are doing doing their thing, and ultimately, the young that are born are now ringed, spotted and striped. Now, is this um a biological thing? Can we explain this, you know? Can, can we explain this on a physical, biological, scientific level? That if an animal looks at, you know, um, ringed wood, it's going to have, it's going to bear an ch- offspring that's likewise ringed, spotted, or striped? Is that a thing? I have no idea. I have no idea. Is it a miracle? I don't know. I don't know if it's a miracle or if it's science or if it was science then, but it's not now. I have no idea. It would be interesting to look this up and see if there's any commentaries or modern commentaries that try to reconcile this on some level scientifically. Or we could just say it's a miracle. Jacob had to do his thing. So he had to do his due diligence, or not do that. He had to you know, put in the effort on his part, but it's a miracle. Either way, this is how animals that are not ringed, spotted, or striped are giving birth to animals, children that are ringed, spotted, and striped. Make sense?
1: I, I thought of something different when, when I read this. Yeah. The chestnuts. Yeah. You know how, you know how I'm, you know, I, 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 I always, I mention uh, at this time of year how the Christmas songs were composed by... Right. Shoes. know oh, And one of the songs is chestnuts roasting on an open fire. So.
0: <laughs> there you go. There you go. In this case, it was chestnut wood being peeled by a watering trough To help give birth, to help the animals give birth to animals that would belong to Jacob. Talk about an old twist or a new twist and an old favorite. Anyway, right, but chestnuts uh, certainly is uh, a theme of the season, at least for some. So, I'll share with you what it says in Kabbalah and other sources. It says that by Jacob peeling the sticks, it was like he was putting on tefillin. You know what tefillin looks like? Straps of tefillin? Alternates right you have straps when you when you wrap the straps you have alternating colors right the straps On the arms, so you know that's kind of looks the way the the way the sticks looked when they were being peeled or when they were peeled And so this evokes a similar type of, uh, of experience and it says that Jacob put on tefillin, so to speak with this with these sticks How, What does that mean? What was the meditation? I don't know if I can I don't know if I have that information to share But, in other words, I don't know know if that I can tell you specifically what that is, but that's what it says, that Jacob's act of tefillin didn't necessarily involve black leather boxes and straps like we have it, but he was peeling these these sticks of wood. So let's continue. Jacob now separated the sheep. So now he had the original sheep and goats that he got from his father-in-law that were not speckled, striped, or, or ring, or brown. And he got the new offspring that did have all these colors and features to them. So he now separated the sheep. And he turned the faces of the animals toward the ring ones and every brown one among Laban's animals. And he made himself flocks by himself, and he did not place them with Laban's animals. Basically, he made sure that all the spotted and speckled and brown ones should... Um, should be together and procreate together, and uh, that way ensuring that more and more spe- spot, uh, spotted and speckled animals or ringed animals would be born. And it came to pass that whenever the animals that were bearing their first would come into heat, Jacob would place the rods and the troughs before the eyes of the animals. Yeah, clearly the animals were looking at these sticks in order to bring them into heat by means of the rods. Now, this is a little bit of, a, of another twist. They got, not, not that when they were in heat and doing their thing, they were looking at the, at the sticks. No, the sticks, the rods, actually brought them into heat somehow. Again, seems like we're bordering on uh, on the miraculous. Let's see if there's a commentary that we can see. Um, no. Okay. All right, Rash doesn't explain this. Maybe we'll have to look elsewhere another time. Let's continue. Um, but, 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 if the animals would delay, he would not place them. In other words, the animals, I guess there were different seasons of, 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 of mating and all that stuff. So the healthier ones would mate earlier in the season and the less healthy ones would mate later in the season. So the animals that would delay, he would not place the rods because he, he didn't want the offspring of those animals that were only mating later in the season. So essentially what he, what he facilitated was that the ones that were delayed were Laban's because they weren't spotted, speckled, striped. And the ones that bore there first, and words that bore early, became Jacob's. So the ones that made it earlier on in the season, which indicated a vitality and a vibrancy, etc., Maybe the catches, right? The ones that are, you know, that mating early. So those, those, he put the rods because he wanted their offspring. And the ones that made it late, no rods for you. No rods for you. You can stay with Laban's animals. In this way, the Torah tells us, the man became, the man meaning Jacob, Yaakov, the man became exceedingly wealthy. In fact, in the Hebrew, it says, ha-ish, the man became wealthy. Yiphrites means he prospered. M'oed, m'oed. Very, very much so. It uses a double expression. M'oed, m'oed, you know, tov ma'od. right? How are you doing? Tov is good. Tov ma'od is very good. Tov ma'od, ma'od. Very, very good. This guy, Yaakov, this guy, our patriarch, Jacob Yaakov, became very, very wealthy. And he had prolific animals. And well, ultimately, he sold some of those animals, and he was able to acquire maidservants and manservants and camels and donkeys. Oh, he had he had his own situation, uh, um, his own estate almost of of, of wealth. Portfolio. Um, so it's important to remember the timeline. Jacob works for his father-in-law for fourteen years. He essentially, doesn't really earn a penny of his own. He's working, you know, to, to earn the right to marry the, the Laban's daughters. At the end of that, Joseph is born. He's ready. At the end of fourteen years, Joseph is born. He's ready to go home. Laban says, "Stay with me." He says, "Okay, one condition. I have to be able to provide for myself now. I got I got to start feeding my family on my own." He says, "Okay, what do you want? Don't give me anything. Just give me some starter animals that are not speckled, spotted, ringed, whatever. Give me some starter animals." And any anomalies, when I say anomalies, I mean any animals that are not like their parents, in other words, the spotted, speckled, any of those, I'll keep, and you get the rest. What a deal. Great. He puts the rings around by the troughs, The, the sticks peeled with the rings by the troughs. The animals that mated gave birth to animals that were spotted. He kept those, the ones that were early, the ones that were healthy. He kept, he had spotted, whatever, and he became very wealthy. That's the story.
1: R- Rabbi, yeah. so so it sounds like he was more wealthy than others, you know, in the community. And so, how did that, you know, play out? And then also, yeah, the maid servants and manservants, were they not our people?
0: I probably not, probably not. Yeah, there's a Rashi. It should be Rashi on this, I believe. Rashi explains how he how he leveraged his, uh, yeah, here we go. He would sell his animals at a high price and purchase all these for himself. Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you say? Maid servant and manservant. I mean, this is what was going on then. I'm not, you know, I, I don't know that, that this, is a, this is a condoning of, of life 3,700 years ago. This is just a description of life 3,700 years ago. Jacob was very wealthy. Now, was he wealthier than his father-in-law? He, he might have been. He might have been at some point. But well, also, I
1: mean, of the typical... So maybe, I, yeah.
0: it, I don't know. I, it sounds like, yeah, he was top of his game. That's what it sounds like. That's what it sounds like. But of course, what happens with success is jealousy. That's right. Yeah, that's what I'm getting and, yeah, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's literally... Take take a look. So if that, that's a perfect segue. So Good. Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons. Remember, they were also shepherds. Saying... Jacob has taken all that belonged to our father. In other words, Jacob, he's so wealthy, he stole everything. That was what they would say. They were bitter, they were angry, they were jealous, whatever you want to call it, resentful. And they despair of Jacob. Ah, he, he stole everything from our father. And from what belonged to our father, he has amassed this entire fortune. Yeah, his entire fortune, it belongs to our father. Really it's, it's ours. You see what's going on here? It's uh, resentment and jealousy and anger and bitterness, sour grapes, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Honestly, what I would call it is natural human emotion, right? Normal, natural human emotion, right? Who hasn't been resentful at some point of someone else's success? I'm not saying we celebrate that or that's a good thing or that's an acceptable thing, but it happens. That's the nature of life, right? You see success, right? You see more success than perhaps uh, you've had, right? Again, it's not about us, you... Present company excluded, but one who sees someone else be more successful than them, you know, there's a natural feeling of jealousy, which could turn ugly. And, and that's what happens here. Jacob is successful. Instead of feeling good for Jacob, ah, oh, finally he's able to make it on his own and be successful. Nope, he stole it. He took it from our father. He took it from our family. You know, he's uh, he's a of. So all right. And that word leaked, he heard those words. In other words, it leaked to Jacob. Jacob uh, heard through the grapevine. And Jacob saw Laban's countenance, that he was not disposed toward him as he had been yesterday and the day before. In other words, he saw that Laban's face, his whole expression has changed. He no longer is as loving, I mean, he was always a a liar and a a swindler, but, Laban, but, uh, you know, with a smile. Now it's not even a smile. Now not even a smile. It's he's he's not he's just too jealous, too envious. So it's this clearly this um I mean think about it, think about it in business. You give someone a business opportunity, you give them a piece of your company, and they become they turn it into this, you know, billion dollar enterprise, and you're still sitting on the original piece, which is you know, okay, but not not nearly as as lucrative. Yeah. Are you going to say, you know, I started that person. They took all my stuff. They used my printer originally. I mean, of course, that's, that's, not, that's nature, right? That's, that's the nature of things. The nature is, you know, you, uh, to look at, to, that the one looks at the other in a negative way. So Jacob realizes this. He realizes his father-in-law is not, not too keen on this. So at that point, the Lord, God says to Jacob, a little divine intervention. God says to Jacob, all right, now's the time. Return to the land of your forefathers and to your birthplace, and I will be with you. Remember when I told you 20 years before? Remember when I told you when you were lying down, beginning of the Torah portion. Remember 20 years prior when you were lying down on Mount Moriah, Har on the way out of Israel, and you had a dream with the ladder and the angels, and me and I said to you, I'm going to be with you until you go back, and you said, great, then I'll build a home for God and give tithes. Remember Remember that conversation 20 years ago? Now's the time. Now is the time to head back. Return to your land, and I will be with you, God says. Nothing to worry about. That was uh, the message. That was the communication between God and Jacob. So what does Jacob do? Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field, to his flocks. So Jacob calls a family meeting. He calls his wives, the two sisters, Rachel and Leah. And where do they have a meeting? Out in the field, where the animals are. Why outside? Number one, amongst the, the wealth of the holdings of the, the possessions of the family, which is a good thing. And number two, maybe the house is bugged. I'm kidding. But now they're meeting outside in the field. It's uh, private. They're alone. They're with the animals and they can have the shmooze. A bit of a heart to heart, an open conversation. Remember, as uh, much of a ganif, as Lovin was, as Laban was, much of a thief he was, he was still their father. And Jacob wants now to leave and God told him to leave. So now the question is, what's he going to do? So he has this conversation with his wives. And he said to them, I see your father's countenance. I can tell on his face that he is not disposed toward me as he was yesterday and the day before. In other words, he's not happy with me anymore. He doesn't, he doesn't smile anymore at me. But the God of my, of my father was with me. Not, despite you know anger with me. God has still been with me and uh, made me successful. This is all part of Jacob's uh, monologue or, or conversation with his wives. And you know, he says to them, that with all my might, I served your father. You know that I, I, it's not like I took a vacation or wasn't into it. I gave it my all to serve your father. But your father mocked me. Listen to this. Your father mocked me. Played around with me, and changed my wages ten times. The guy drove me bananas, ten times. By the way, by the way, what does it mean to change my wages ten times? Now the Torah is about to fill in. Yaakov is about to fill in a bit of, of narrative that we that was that the Torah didn't mention earlier. All those years in this new arrangement of the spe- spe- speckled, spotted animals, ringed animals. Love on Laban was consistently trying to change the the nature of the arrangement to work to his advantage and against Jacob. So listen to this. Your father, Laban, mocked me and and changed my wages ten times, but God did not permit him to harm me. Take a look at the details. If he would say, if Laban would say, speckled ones shall be your wages, then all the animals would bear speckled ones. And if he would say, thus, ringed ones shall be your wages, then all the animals would bear ringed ones. Thus, God separated your father's livestock and gave it to me in other words this was a miracle it was from god god decided god took from your father's livestock and gave it to me now it's not even took from the father's livestock it, these are the new animals that were born love and the animals that Lavan and laban had contributed didn't go anywhere they still belong to laban the animals that were born to, to, to those animals belong to Jacob if they were spotted speckled ring etc and even though Laban tried to change, the, to change the terms of the agreement many many times tens of times um, nonetheless Yaakov was blessed and was successful and it came to pass this is all Jacob recounting the story to his wives and it came to pass at the time the animals came into heat that I lifted my eyes listen to this I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream and behold the he-goats that mounted the animals were ringed, speckled, and striped. He's now sharing a dream, a vision that we haven't seen before. He saw the animals in this vision, they were ringed, speckled, and striped, and an angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, Yaakov, and I said, Hineni, here I am. And the angel said, Now lift your eyes and see that all the he-goats mounting the animals are ringed, speckled, and striped, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. In other words, the vision that shows the striped animals mounting the other animals, right? That's a vision that says that God is with you and God will grant you success. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a mountain. Remember Bethel? Where was Bethel? Bethel was the space on on Mount Moriah, right, where Jacob slept, and he he God appeared to him. So now the angel and God is saying to him, "I am the God of Bethel. I was the one." 20 years ago, when you had that dream, that's me. Where you anointed a a monument, remember you poured oil on it. Where you anointed a monument, where you pronounced to me a vow. Now, God says in this vision, Arise, go forth from this land, and return to the land of your birth. This is all a quote from Jacob to his wives. This is not telling us as it happens. This is telling us how Jacob reports it to his wives. He says to his wives, God has blessed me, made me successful. God has come to me in a vision, in a dream, and said it's time to leave. And he wants to ask their permission because it means uprooting them from their family. And he knows what that's like. It's not, it's not an easy thing. So he needs their consent. He's not going to just say, guys, you know, um, uh, Rachalea, we're moving. It's not, it's not nice. It's not, it's not the right way to do it. He has to speak to them. So he sets, he sets it out. Your father has been trying to sabotage this. Uh, God has given me success. God told me it's now time to go home. So what do they respond? And Rachel and Leah replied and said to him, Do we still have a share or an inheritance in our father's house? In other words, you think we're giving up anything? Are we not considered by him as strangers? For he sold us and also consumed our money. In other words, you think we have a, um, a loyalty to our father. You think he he cares about us? You think he, you know, recognizes us? He considers us as strangers, not as daughters. He sold us uh, to you, I mean, to Jacob right? He he bartered us for for work, right? And consumed our money. Yeah. So uh, what they're trying to say is we don't mind. But all the wealth that God separated from our father is ours and our children. So now in other words, our father tried to swindle us also, but now God has given us this wealth. So now all that God said to you, do. In other words, you have our permission, you have our consent, we're okay going home. All right, now, I mean going back with you to your home and leaving our home. That's how the that's how the reading ends. Reading number five. It's a very light, it's a long reading, very narrative-based. Um Yeah. Powerful. You know, our father considers us like a stranger. What does that mean? Even at a time when people usually give a dowry to their daughters. Right? Usually, at least back in the day, people would give a dowry to their daughters to bring into the marriage. They would give their daughters money. What did he do? What did love do to his daughters? He behaved toward us as one behaves toward strangers, for he sold us to you, for you served him 14 years, and gave he gave us to you only as wages for labor. In other words, he didn't give a dowry, he didn't give money, he didn't give support. He took, he took your work and he took your wages, right? He kept the wages for your labor. They they were not they were not loving fans. They were not fans of their dad. They I'm sure they respected him and you know honored him. But uh, they they knew they knew the score. Okay, let me stop here for a moment and check in. Questions comments on the narrative. All make sense. What's the moral of the story? So more of the story, um, trust in God. That's always a good one, right? Trust in God. Um, God made Jacob wildly successful and wealthy, right? In in a very unconventional fashion. What's the, so believe in God, God, God can pull that off. Um, yep. A lot of good themes over here. A lot of good narrative. Okay. Um,
1: Rabbi, I also kind of, you know, the the uh, abundance of the animals, right? And the miraculous way yeah. of the, the genetics. I don't know. It kind of, in a certain sense, it, it kind of uh, has, you know, mirrors like the miracles, right, of... All these children, and all these years, and all these ages, when you know the women had difficulties. So I'm, right? That's kind of miraculous.
0: Yeah, it's an I interesting. Con- you're right. It's an interesting contrast, right? So like, Rachel struggling to have children, and yeah, there's like all these challenges, at least in some. And then these animals are just abundance. It's, um, I mean, ultimately Jacob does end up with twelve sons and a daughter. So certainly his, uh, he's got he's got a full full mishpacha also. But yeah, it is interesting to you know all of these storylines kind of colliding well, in mean, one space. I
1: mean, you know, because it's difficult to reconcile, you know, the all the difficult pregnancies and then how they because we realize in in the Torah, whereas not necessarily today. But I mean, by by juxtaposing the miraculous nature of all the, you know. Reproduction from everywhere. Right, that might be a way to
0: to understand it. Yep, yep. Definitely was a miraculous situation that we're reading about now with these with these animals, with the striped and the speckled and the spotted, and all that stuff. Um, and the idea that spiritually it was kind of like putting on tefillin is also like a little bit very very curious. You know, how is what's the what's the connection between? Tefillin and peeling sticks for the sake of the animals reproducing in spotted and speckled ways, but.
1: And there wasn't the, tefillin yet then, right? I mean, right.
0: They, well, did, they they didn't have physical tefillin like with boxes, black boxes. And it wasn't
1: and, the Torah yet, right? I mean, realized.
0: Right. So they kept the mitzvahs in their own way. And so what was the way of tefillin? This is Yaakov peeling sticks. This was what this so was, it was his way. Like
1: somehow internally they knew what to do.
0: Exactly, and it was a spiritual form of it. So, like whatever spiritually we, we accomplish on that, now what happens when we put on film? Let's actually spend a moment on this. Um, I'm looking. I looked at, at reading six. It gets into the, the the departure of Yaakov and the chase. It's a whole narrative, and I think we can do it with six and seven together on Friday. We'll do six and seven, and after I think we'll be okay with that. Um, I don't, but I don't want to start it now because it's too it's too big of a too big of a story to like try to do quickly. Um, the, uh, the tefillin, there's two, two boxes of tefillin that, that, that are worn daily in the morning. One box goes on the arm opposite the heart, and one box goes on the head. The Torah says you put as a sign on your, on your heart, uh, no, on your arm, and between your eyes. So between your eyes is not literally here. It's on the top of your head, lined up, centered. And the box, one box goes in the arm. If you're, you always put on your weaker arm. So if you're a righty and you, and you put on your left arm, if you're a lefty, you put on your right arm, it's always the weaker arm, and it's tilted in toward the chest, and then you, and it has leather straps, you wrap it. There's a lot of symbolism. In the tefillin, a lot of mystical significance. Tefillin represents centering our heart and our mind, which is why it's a great practice to do in the morning, a meditative practice to do in the morning, because what it, what it means is, that I'm acknowledging that my feelings could be out of control. My thoughts could be out of control. And I'm working on centering my feelings. Making sure that I'm feeling what I need to be feeling. And not feeling what I shouldn't be feeling. And that my thoughts are also where they need to be. I heard a fantastic um, phrase this week. It's The phrase is called metacognitive. Metacognitive. What's metacognitive? So co- cognition is obviously the way we think, thinking. Metacognitive means... Being aware of your thoughts, which is really the whole import of Hasidic philosophy is is about becoming aware, becoming aware and sensitive and, and acknowledging our thoughts so that they don't run away from us. Because if we're just reactive, if we're just being impulsive, then we're probably not where we need to be. So the tefillin reminds us to center our minds, to think about what we're thinking about, and that will help lead our heart, guide our heart to be in the right way so that we're not reactive, emotionally reactive, but we're proactive and that we're, uh, we're in a good place. So I mentioned this as the spiritual energy of tefillin. Now, did Jacob, did Yaakov accomplish that while peeling sticks? Was he meditating and, you know, his mind and heart, his feelings and his ideas, were they being centered? I guess, if that's if that's the comparison that's given, then, then, then that's made, then I would imagine that there was some sort of... Um, you know, some sort of uh, of connection between those two themes. So maybe as he's peeling it, you know, he's thinking about God being the source of blessing and that Laban, his uncle, his father-in-law, cannot harm him in any way as long as God is protecting him. So his mind and heart are being centered. He's not fearing. He's not panicking. He's not... Perhaps, perhaps that's the meaning. Either way, for us, whether we put on tefillin or not, and of course the, 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 the tradition, the mitzvah of tefillin, is, is tradition of my Jewish men over the age of 13. So, yeah, I certainly understand the, uh, the dynamics, right? But even if not filling, we can all peel sticks, so to speak. We can make sure that every morning we open up a prayer book and we pray and we meditate and we center our mind and we align our heart with where it needs to be and thus enter the day in a good place and in a good in, um, internal space. Okay, that's it for today. Questions, comments before we close out? Okay. All right. Join me tonight. Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. Torah Studies. Torah Studies features a beautiful conversation. Um, The topic of the class. Hold on. The topic of the class. We have a great title for the class. It's called, one second, Jerusalem. Here we go. A Jerusalem Jew in Times Square. A Jerusalem Jew in Times Square. Excuse
1: me, are you Jewish? (laughs) Excuse
0: me, are you Jewish? But now it's, excuse me, are you a Jerusalem Jew in the middle of Times Square? So we're going to talk about Jerusalem Jews, what that means. We'll talk about Times Square. We'll talk about the confluence of tradition and modernity. That's really what the class is about, right? The balance between tradition. Authentic Jewish tradition and living a modern, a modern forward-thinking life. Okay, that's tonight. Um, Sarah, did you have a question comment? I see a hand. No. Okay. All right. Um. Okay. Good. All right. Good to see everyone tonight. Seven thirty. Tomorrow, JL, uh, JLI. We don't have DPP because we have. JLI tomorrow at 12 in person with lunch, bagels, lots, cream cheese. Friday, we're back to DPP, regular time, 12 o'clock. And next week, got a lot of stuff. Don't forget to sign up for jewelry. Don't forget to sign up for of The Matrix. Don't forget to sign up for Meals of Love, volunteering and other good stuff, which I am blanking on right now. Okay, we'll see you guys.
1: Sundays, Kabbalah coffee. Sunday's Kabbalah
0: coffee, exactly. We're back, exactly, in person. Bagels and cream cheese and lox, also. Is I'm going to
1: register today for the um, next Monday, right? It's... Um,
0: Rosh Chodesh Society. Oh, my God, thank you for reminding me. Rosh Chodesh <laughs> Society, Monday night, very important. Monday night RCS, yes. It's all about practical... Mitzvot, well-connected. It's about grounding um, spirituality in the material, which is the theme that we love talking about. So that's coming up Monday night in person, and we're also going to have a live stream of that as well. So join us, whether from close or from far. Join us for then. Um, okay. See you guys. Bye, Sarah. Bye, Donna. Bye, Olia. Bye, Sandrine. Live from France. Hey, thank you. Pleasure. Bye. See you already Shabbat here, so I won't... Oh, okay, so I'll miss you Friday. All right, so you'll catch it on the recording. You All next right, week. we'll see you. Take
1: care.
0: Bye, Bye everybody.